How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees. The boys, Alex and Ryan, today we're discussing the shortstop position and an interesting quote that Brian Hoke of MLB.com said regarding who the Yankees really want to win this job. Now, ultimately, when you look at the kind of position battle that's ready to unfold there with Oswald Peraza, Isaiah Conner-Falefa, and of course, Anthony Volpe, we've discussed this in detail on a number of different occasions as we wait for spring training to finally come around in about two weeks here. Um, we're getting ever closer, but it's just... We're just not there yet. Um, this is going to be one of the more exciting position battles that we have to watch um, during spring training. And ultimately, I think we can all agree that we want Oswald Praza to win. And based on the fact that, you know, Brian Hoke's quote suggests the Yankees want that too, it begs the question, what do you do with IKF? You know, we've discussed him as a potential trade opportunity. Um, so when you can save $6 million offloading, maybe get a fringe prospect, you know, maybe a low-level guy that has some potential. Um, but really, you're looking to get rid of that salary cap and maybe roll it over to a position like left field for jerks and profar uh, even then i don't think six million is enough to get him on the books anyway but you know obviously offloading josh donaldson and whatever might be aaron hicks would be the preferable way to go about this but i don't think that's necessarily possible but ryan you know, we're going to go through the quote we're going to discuss kind of why the yankees want oswald peraza to win this job and the youth movement that kind of comes with it before we dive into it how do you today my friend I'm doing all right. You know, the Yankees, you know, again, we just need baseball, man. This is one of those situations where I could not be more excited for spring training because of things like this, these kind of type of conversations. You know, I was talking about this with Nick um, on an episode we did. We were looking at the uh, non-roster invites uh, where we were both talking about how Anthony Volpe, I mean, there's that, like that goosebump feeling that like Anthony Volpe could just have that crazy spring training and go win the job, right? And, you know, you kind of get goosebumps thinking about it, you know, how how cool would that be, right? Uh, but kind of looking at the, the practical, uh, you know, side of things, it's kind of hard even after a good spring training to trust someone that, as you mentioned, number one, hasn't played much at AAA, and number two, in that small sample size, wasn't very good in AAA. So you kind of want him to figure that out uh, before you, you know, start throwing him against uh, guys like Shane McClanahan or Tyler Glass now, um, you know, who are, or, or, you know, the Kevin Gosmans or Alec Manoas of the world. We're in that division. There's really tough pitching. Um, you know, even in Boston, Chris Sale, you know, uh, Baltimore has Grayson Rodriguez coming up, right? Like, it's not like this division's like a bunch of really bad teams or anything like that. Um, I imagine, you know, as the offseason of officially kind of comes to an end we'll get a better um, understanding of what those teams will look like but this is a tough American League this is a tough league in general um, it, it's a tough adjustment to make you want to feel like you have a comfortable safe option and Oswald Peraza feels like that comfortable safe option you know Dylan Lawson was talking about how he feels like the exit velocities are there for Oswald Peraza right and, and then the the data at the minor league level uh, would tell us that the swing decisions are there right like Oswald Peraza does not expand the strike zone um, you know he's someone who you can trust to uh, go out there and make enough contact to survive the major league level he's got the raw power to be a solid offensive player uh, in terms of home run rates and we know he's got the speed to put up some pretty good uh, base running totals so um you know end of the day he feels like a complete player that you can trust to put at shortstop you've seen him do it at triple a you've seen him do it at the major league level you haven't seen that from volpe yet so uh you know peraza just gives the yankees that like safety that comfort right you know where it's like we're not asking too much of this prospect this prospect is ready to play on day one you know we we handled this process the right way and i think the yankees want to go about this the right way i think they're they're kind of uh, i i would say I, the word is obsessed here that i'm going to use but i'm not saying it in a negative manner i mean it in like they're obsessed with doing this the right way right and it's for good reason and then i don't think they want to start isaiah kind of fluff at shortstop I, I straight up just don't think that's the right move um and, and quite frankly i would move him before the before the uh, season starts you need that money to open up at the deadline but peraza right now just seems like uh the best bet 
that organizationally and just straight up right now? Yeah, you know, I'll take it a step further uh, regarding kind of Peraza. And you said he's kind of the best option right now. Um, I think that we know what IKF is, right? Like he he's a rangy shortstop, you know, some metrics, you know, defensive runs saved at 10 last year, negative two outs above average. There are polarizing defensive metrics and variables that suggest that he's a good or bad defender. The eye test is one that we've, you know, routinely looked at and um, they, there's not really a metric that accounts for all the balls he bounced in the dirt and Anthony Rizzo saved his ass. And I think that there should be a metric that kind of, you know, incorporates that into uh, maybe potential you know, negatives, but Peraza, we don't know necessarily what he is. And I think that's a beautiful thing about the situation, right? I think the best thing that we can kind of look at, the best narrative we can follow right now is that we know what IKF's cap is. We know what his his ceiling is, but we have no idea what Peraza's ceiling is. We know that his floor is going to be elite defense, right? He's going to be a gold glove level shortstop for us. We know that's his floor. Um, but regarding his offense, it's really an unknown. You know, we hit 306 with a 404 OBP last year. Um, of course, a 57 um, plate appearance sample size over 18 games. It's not enough to really justify anything. Those numbers will come down. You know, those, that's not going to be his final stat line. It was certainly just a small sample size, and he managed to take advantage of it and, um, you know, and, and boost his value because of it. But uh, if we're being honest, <clears throat> I think a 33% on base rate would be above expectations for us. If he hit 250, I'd be happy with that. If he hit double-digit homers, I'd be happy with that. You know, I think his steamer projections have him at, what, 105 WRC+, plus, um, which I think is exactly where Jeremy Pena landed last year, and he was the MVP of the World Series. So, you know, you can see these rookies step up and make an impact, um, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. And I think that's where defense becomes locked down. You have to have good defense in the postseason because one run, you know, how many times did we lose a game because it was two to one or one to zero or three to two? You know, that one, you know, botched play by IKF leads to a run and suddenly we're losing a game. That can't happen. You know, you have to be stout at every defensive position, especially prominent ones like shortstop, third base, um, you know, center field. And, you know, depending on the stadium, it could be left or right field. So, Ultimately, I think what's most exciting about the situation right now is that Peraza is such an unknown, but he also is a commodity, a proven commodity in some respects in terms of the defensive variables. But I think offensively, he has so much untapped potential. I really want to explore that, and I think that's a primary reason why the Yankees will be looking to kind of um, expand upon his skill set. Now, I'm going to read you guys the quote um, that Brian Hoke did deliver via MLB.com, and essentially... It's the sense is that the Yankees would love to see Peraza resoundingly win the job this spring, which would allow them to shift Connor Falefa into a more of a utility role and provide Volpe with additional development time. Volpe logged just 99 plate appearances at AAA last year, so it wouldn't be surprised to see him get uh, begin the year with Scranton and be in the mix for a midseason call-up. I think that this, I mean, Ryan, to me, I think this is almost exactly what we've been saying for weeks now. Like, it almost is identically, you know, in terms of when we think Peraza, or rather uh, Volpe will be called up, we called June, July as the primary, like, those two months is when we'd like to see him get called up. Um, I think that they should move IKF simply because Volpe can be your shortstop, Cabrera can be a shortstop, Peraza, you have a lot of different youth options there, and... Donaldson, you're not going to be able to move that $21 million. I doubt anyone's going to take even a portion of his salary. So IKF kind of becomes expendable um, in that regard, in my opinion. So, you know, the, he mentions IKF kind of falling into this utility role. I think that that's not necessarily um, the case. I think that I'd rather save the $6 million, have Volpe come up in June, July, be able to supplement any of those positions, you know, shortstop, second base, whatever it might be. And, of course, Cabrera can move around as well. And then is your everyday guy. And I think that that's how it should go. You know, if you're going to commit, you got to commit. If Peraza's struggling for a couple of weeks, you can't pull him. You can't 
change it around because you know IKF's going to deliver weak contact ground balls to the infielders. Um, in my opinion, you got to let him struggle so that he can succeed long term. You know, maybe he doesn't struggle at all. Maybe he's just consistently good or average, which is totally fine offensively. He's going to put together an elite defensive season. Um, but what are your thoughts about Brian Hoke kind of? You know, mentioning the fact that IKF could fall into this utility role, would you prefer for them to save that six million? Or are you okay with him kind of playing that shortstop, you know, third base, like intermediary variable? Yeah. So uh, one thing to note is that uh, with steam projections now, I imagine they made this update, and I, I would have also made this update. They've softened the WRC plus of a lot of rookies. So Peraz actually dropped ten points back to ninety five, which you know you would say, like, oh shoot, that means he's like not good. Uh, but it, it's more so the fact that you, you know rookies have a very wide distribution of results. There's a world where he goes out and the OPS is like five hundred, right? Like that's he's a rookie, right? Like that, that is completely in the realm of possibility here. And there's also that realm of possibility where he's just completely fine, right? To kind of give you context here, because you mentioned Jeremy Payne, who I think is an apt comparison. Um, Jeremy Payne is projected for a 99 WRC plus. So it's, it's not like, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, Peraza dropped and everyone else is just perfectly fine. And he's like the only one who dropped plenty of shortstops across the board, uh, kind of had a little bit of a drop off, uh, in terms of WRC plus, like, um, you know, you're looking at guys like uh, Javier Baez dropped to 98, you know, a uh, Trevor story to a one Oh one, um, you know, they have to do stuff like that with rookies. They're, if you don't soften their WRC, if you project them to be about, you know, their median outcome, if they're a rookie that hasn't, you know, really been an established major league yet or isn't a superstar prospect, if you say their median outcome is being an above average hitter, uh, it's it's kind of absurd. Uh, so I don't want people to have those unrealistic expectations that Peraz is going to come up and just be, you know, the best player on the Yankees or anything like that. But Zips has him as a 2.5 war in 116 games. For 150 games, that's a 3.2 war. So, um, if you get a three-war season out of Oswald Peraza, that's a successful season out of the shortstop position. I think you could be more than happy with that. Um, that's this guy's rookie year. You're not looking for him to be anything more than just a solid player for you, I think, right now at least. Um, Volpe is the guy you look at to potentially be an all-star, right? Like, end of the day, Anthony Volpe, is, that's the type of prospect he is. And I'm not saying this to knock Oswald Peraza, but, you know, prospects are what are, are fickle, right? You know, you, very, you see very few become superstars. Uh, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that not everyone's Julio Rodriguez. There's a reason Mike Trout and Aaron Judge, those are special players because there are not many of them uh, that we ever get to see in our lifetimes. Uh, but, you know, end of the day, Peraza is a high floor guy who, uh, as you mentioned, with like the Yankees hoping that Peraza just kind of wins this job in a landslide. As long as things go to plan, even if Volpe is really, really good, Peraza is probably going to win the job. Um, and this isn't saying Volpe has no shot. Volpe can, you know, do, there are some things Volpe can do. Again, I, I said this with Nick, with Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, if he hits a ball 113 miles an hour in spring training, um, I, I'd pencil him in for, 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 being, for being back. And I put that in quotation marks. Uh, but, you know, for, for Peraza, you know, it, or Volpe at least, if Volpe comes out and hits a ball 112 miles an hour, which I don't think is going to happen, he's, you know, then you, you, got, you, know, you, got, to, you got to reevaluate things, right? Because then suddenly the dude just gained a bunch of power out of nowhere. But you typically don't see teams or organizations kind of find, like you don't see players kind of get away with having their tools undiscovered in an organization. You don't see like, oh, Volpe came up and he added some muscle. The Yankees had no idea, right? The Yankees are communicating with these guys often. That's something that I believe when we interviewed, um, you know, not only just Spencer Jones, but when I interviewed Carson Coleman as well, you know, the Yankees are very, not on top of their prospects in a bad way, but they keep up with what their prospects are doing. They, they're always checking in. The coaching staff there uh, always does a pretty good job with that. So there won't be any surprise for this organization. I, I think they know what they have in Peraza. They know their game plan with Volpe. And I think it's going to end up just being Peraza. I think we're kind of hitting that consensus of like, it'll be fun to see Volpe have, you know, a shot. But end of the day, the Yankees, I think this battle is going to be determined really early on. 
Yeah, see, I actually have a different kind of take. I think that this this shortstop battle is actually going to um, drag out into the regular season. And I think that Boone's going to play more of this like hot hand approach, and I don't think that's the right approach. I think that you give... If Peraza wins it out of spring training, you give him you know, the reins. You give him the starting job, but I think that there's going to be this like... You know, Boone and Cashman trying to save face and play an IKF a couple days of the week, and you know they're just kind of bouncing back and forth, and no one's getting consistency, and it's everyone's going to be driven absolutely nuts out of it, and it's going to make no sense, and we're all going to be like, "What the hell's going on?" Because that's what the Yankees do; they make like these weird decisions sometimes, and like the roster's decisions. You know, last year I remember so many times I'm like, "What are they doing? Like, why? What is this?" You know, so I don't expect that to change. It's not like they've changed any personnel. Um, they play a numbers game, but then you have Boone kind of throwing his gut into it. It's just like a weird combination of like stats and uh, Boone playing into his gut and I just don't really get the mesh of it all uh, but we'll see what happens this is really intriguing guys I'd love to hear perspectives below in the YouTube comments regarding kind of the quote that we read to you guys and you know who you think is going to win this position battle and if if uh, Praza ends up winning it you know what happens to IKF what do you prefer happens does he stay in a utility role they, uh, they offload him for six million dollars and you know they save that money maybe allocate it somewhere else always happy to hear your narratives and perspectives below in the comments section as always make sure to like and subscribe and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode episode.